Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, today I'm excited to share with you from one of my favorite passages of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Ephesians 3. If you've got your, your phone with version, open it up. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun one to go through together today. But I wanted to kind of frame our time together by starting off with this idea of talking about change. Now, I read something this last week that said something along the lines of that we only change when we want to, like when it's our idea, or when we have to, like it's forced upon us, okay? And I, I know that some of us are constantly in our life changing things, really for no good reason at all, okay? We just can't stand that it's the same for two days in a row, and so we change it up and we mix it up and throw everybody else off. And then there's others of you that may fight change, okay? So maybe it's hard for you. So let's just take a poll of the room, okay? Everybody, let's get to know each other, the people in your room. And... Um, by show of hands, how many of you would say that you have a hard time with change? That you're not a really a big fan of change? Okay, well, a moment of honesty. There we go. Yeah. All right, now let's go back to the opposite. How many of you say that you are the people who change things for no reason at all? You just love change. You're constantly changing stuff. Okay, take, take a poll. The people with their hands raised, these are the people that you want to avoid, okay? We are the ones who are messing everything up. We can't help it. I, I just like... The people in my life group this year have probably seen four different arrangements of my basement because I, I show up, I'm like, this is wrong. We're moving it. Like, I moved my office last week for no reason at all. It's just like, we can't help it. And so I love change whenever I'm in control of it. I love getting to be the one who says, I need something different. But there's other times where change just kind of happens and we have to adjust. So for instance, recently we just found out about a pretty cosmic change that's going to be coming to the Beckett family. We found out we're going to be having a baby girl in October of this year. Here's our, here's our 20-week ultrasound. She's beautiful. And um, this was uh, something that as we've been kind of, we, were, we found out that we were pregnant, we were very excited. Uh, and Abby is like, Please a girl, please a girl, please a girl. And she would say, you know, if, she, if you asked her, about it, she's like, no, I, if, this, if we have a third boy, I will be a boy mom and I will own the boy mom. And then she would accidentally say like, so I wonder what she's doing. And it's like, <laughs> you could hear it. Um, and it's not wrong to hope for things, right? It's, it's okay. Um, so whenever we, uh, we were finding out what the gender was, uh, we, we got the um, email. We got the my chart notification. And so... We went and we opened up the email and, and Abby's just like waiting to find out all, all of this angst. And, and so I have, we have a picture. This is the, the moment that she opened the email and saw, <laughs> saw that it was a girl. But, it, but the progression grows. She goes from this face to it's bigger. It's, it, it's blurring, the, blurring the camera. And so if you notice, she has, she has now reacted to this and jumped back. And I still haven't got, even made it there yet. I'm still, I'm still reading the spot where it's like, you know, it's like, this is your name. This is the time. Like, it's just like, so I'm, I'm catching up. And as I get further down, then I finally, I notice, okay? <laughs> and it's all setting in and it, it just kind of grows and then we're, we're celebrating and then it was just like, and this is the moment that I love. It's just so sweet to see just the moment that she is taking it all in. And there's, the thing about it is that we're both processing this big change, okay? We have two boys. They are little clones of my own. My wife in this moment is going, finally, I have some backup, right? She goes, it's not just all the boys against me. And she's got so many things that her brain went like, 
all the way down the, down the road. She's thinking about bows. She's thinking about the nursery. She's thinking about picking out a prom dress for her, right? Like, it's like I feel like that that's where her head went instantly. And for me, it was like one, one step at a time, okay? Just, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you saw how quickly I read the email, okay? So <laughs> a little slower. And uh, it really wasn't until I realized how much this was gonna change things until a couple weeks later when we went to Target and we were just kind of walking around and Abby's like, well, let's just walk through the baby girl clothes. And we're walking through them and baby girl clothes are just way too cute. Like there's too many ruffles and bows and things. Like it is too cute. And, and I, I, I knew better, but I made a comment where I said something along the lines of like, man, how great is it that we already have two boys? We have so many onesies at home. Like we probably won't have to buy that many onesies or clothes. <laughs> and Abby looked at me. She goes, no, she will have new everything. We will buy new everything. Nothing used again. I don't care. <laughs> And uh, I knew better. So I'm, so I'm in this process where I'm learning to adjust to the change that is coming. There is a change coming and it will be a financial change and it will be, it's gonna change the dynamic. But th I think that we can all agree that me becoming a girl dad is probably gonna be really good for me, right? There's probably gonna be a lot of you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I heard that, we're way too loud. Um, but it's gonna do something in me and it's probably not gonna be like, like next year, I might be a little bit different. 10 years from now, I'll be a little bit different. I'll, I'll, I will like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like to think about that. Like having a girl with boys, boys are the worst now, okay? I just, it's just really, it's starting to set in. But over time, it will grow and it will change me and I will be a different person, right? I will be a different girl dad than I am right now. And um, I think that we all experience changes like that in our life. Changes where we didn't see it coming or something happened and all of a sudden it's been thrust upon us and all of a sudden we've got a new reality that we're living in and we've got to kind of adjust and adapt to it. But the other side of change is that there's changes that happen to us and then we kind of adjust to it, but there's also changes that we want to have happen in our life. We want to, and most of the time, I feel like I see these happening around our habits or our behaviors, that we want to be, have better habits or, or be more fruitful in our life. We want to be more successful, have more influence, be happier, have more peace or be healthier as you're, get, you know, you're getting towards summer and you're like, wow, I want to get back in shape or you want to start making more money. All of these different things that we tend to say we want to change whenever we don't particularly like a behavior in our life. And so we start to set out to change it. Now, most of us have, have been familiar with the idea of like, all right, tomorrow morning, I'm changing something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start eating clean. I'm going to get in shape and it's going to be great. But then you wake up the next day and you're like, well, I don't want to eat that. That's terrible. I, I, what? No. Okay. So I'll just like, I'll find another way. And so essentially what I feel like I see happen is that we want to change, but not that bad, right? There's certain things like, yeah, we want to change, but actually not, maybe not that bad. And so we kind of change for a little while and then we go right back. But to make it, to kind of take it to a place where it's a little bit more real, uh, I think it's kind of like this quote that Henry Cloud says. He says that we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. We change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. There's a lot of truth in that statement. There's a lot of times that we all of a sudden have this seemingly overnight change in our life, where it's like all of a sudden we're after something with all kinds of tenacity and like we're, we are going to change, we are going to be different. And that change didn't happen overnight, right? We all know that that wasn't like one day we just decided. It was, it was weeks, months, years of us feeling something. And finally we got to the place where the pain of staying the same was more costly than the pain of changing. So all of a sudden we set out to actually change that. 
I think that we've, we see this happen in our lives whenever we, um, I don't know, I guess I, guess I see these, these kind of patterns happen and I, I, I sometimes see it relationally. I sometimes see that after we've had a, either a conflict or a falling out or something that's just going, going rough, that we tend to feel a need to, we need something to change. We need something to give. We need to get healthy because we're not processing things in a healthy way. We're not responding. We're not giving our best self to the relationships that we're in. I think I've seen it happen as we have maybe been passed over for promotions or recognitions in work or what you're doing or, and you want to grow as a leader or in your execution or things like that. So we're trying to improve and get better. I think I see a lot with finances that we get tired of living paycheck to paycheck or tired of living with debt. And so all of a sudden we get out to, to we stop. We don't, we're not gonna struggle with this anymore. We're gonna kind of push through it. And it's these moments in our life that are these like kind of big moments that we're just, we're sick and tired of being there. We're not content being in the same place anymore. And spiritually, we feel that. Spiritually, we feel like there are moments that sometimes we just have had enough of being, we feel broken. We feel like we're just going through certain things in the same cycles and patterns. And we're like, I need help to change. And that may be some of, for some of you, why you're here today. You, you may be here today because of last night or, or last week or last month, you finally had a, a spot where you had enough and you're like, I got it. It's basically a Hail Mary of like, God, I need something. You got to give me something because I don't know how to, how to do it. I don't know how to fix this. Or maybe you've been in the spot where you've been struggling and you've said, I, I just, I want to do better, but I just find myself coming back here over and over. And maybe that weight of that burden of trying to change and not changing has been enough for you to just feel overwhelmed, defeated, unloved, and sends you right back in the same patterns. Today, I want to read to you, read over you Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. It says this, says that I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that he would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Christ would make his home in your hearts as you trust him, and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That you may have the power that each of you here today may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep, and how high is the love of God. To understand fully how much God actually loves you. That he has not forgotten you, he has not left you. That, that you not having enough willpower did not take you away from him. But that you may experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness and power that comes from God. Can we just, for just a moment, just celebrate what the word of God speaks over you and me today of what he's saying, how much he loves you, how much he hasn't given up on you. That's what this, that's what this series is. As we're looking at the word of God and saying, God, would you let that speak to me? Would you let that be something in me? So let me break this down today because this has been one of my favorite passages for a long time. And there's a lot of things that I feel like are, are really big within this. So this is actually a prayer that the Apostle Paul wrote in, in the letter to the, to the uh, church in Ephesus. And this letter was written not just to a singular group of people, but it was lit, written to the big C church. That it would be passed around to other communities. That it would be written for you and me today following Jesus. And in this letter, he answers from a pretty high level view 
what it looks like to experience behavior change in God's eyes. He's kind of answering that question. And it's very simple, you know, as everything is, right? In theory, it's like, oh, super simple. Um, but in chapters one through three, he explains that the, the identity of a follower of Jesus, that we are a child of God, that we are no longer strangers or foreigners, as it would say in chapter two, but that we are we're members of God's family. And then it goes on to say in chapters four through six to, to give us a practical look of how to live that out. And so, but right in the middle of that, in between, here's your identity, here's how to live it out, it's, there's this hinge in, in the letter. And the hinge is, is a prayer that he's praying over you. And it's a prayer that is, it's theologically rich, it's for all of us, and it has just a whole lot of truths of how we understand what it looks like to grow and to change in the kingdom of God. Uh, in verse 16, he starts off the prayer by saying this. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength. And what he's talking about when he says that, he's talking about, he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. That the work of the Holy Spirit is that he empowers us with an inner strength that our inner life would have strength and support. So when I'm talking about this, what I'm saying is this, is that I think we have an, each of us have this inner life and this outer life. This outer life that we probably project to other, to other people, to those around us. This is the way that other people see us. This is the way that we function in certain scenarios and certain things. But we know that there's a deeper part of us than just those moments, right? You ever been misunderstood because you said something and somebody didn't understand you fully, right? There's a deeper part of you than, than just what you present to other people. And the thing is, is that I think that I see a lot of patterns whenever, whenever the, the outer life has grown out, out of balance with the inner life, the inner life doesn't have the things to support it, all of a sudden that's when we find ourselves like feeling like we're off the rails. And he's saying that, that the Holy Spirit would empower us in our inner life and not from just like, oh, I hope you feel a little bit better after you came to church. But it's this idea that, that, the, spirit, that the, the Spirit of God, the unlimited resources, the God that we talk about that nothing is impossible with God, right? The God that we talk about that is working all things out in our life is the God that is empowering us with inner strength through His Spirit. That what's happening inside of us would have a greater pull than what's going on around us. And it's from His unlimited resources that we now find strength in our inner person. But then he goes on to say this. He says that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And this is where the gold of this is, okay? This is like this, the, the ticket of this whole thing that I feel like brings it all together. He says, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. That Christ inside each of us would be bringing us to life. That's, that's a metaphor we see a lot in scripture of like that Christ is bringing dead places back to life. He's bringing us into a new life with him. And he's showing us that 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 we're functioning out of a place of fear in certain areas. He's showing us that we're functioning out of a place of needing to be in control. And he's wanting to come in and he's setting us free. And Paul says that the way that that happens in our life is by trusting him, okay? We, when we trust him, he makes his home in our hearts. And, that, and trust is a, relation, is a relational word, okay? We know that in, in relationships that we have, there's certain people in our lives that we trust more than others. Why is that? Because maybe it's time, maybe it's, They've proven themselves to you. Maybe it's their character. You know that you can trust them because of certain things. Abby and I trust each other more today than we did when we were dating, right? There's a lot of experiences and moments to gain trust in, those, in that time. And relationships, we know this idea, but relationships are built on trust. If a relationship is not built on trust, it's it's going to eventually implode, right? It's going to, if you're always skeptical and you're always guarded and you're always kind of watching things out because you can't trust them, it's eventually not going to survive it. And this is the same idea that's at play in our relationship with God. 
God desires a relationship with us, not for us just to do things for him, but us to live in relationship with him. And so this may be something that, that feels hard whenever I'm saying, hey, trust God, because some of you may have a rocky relationship with God from, from the years. You may have had years where you feel like that God lets you down. You may have had days where it's like, God, I don't know where you're at in all of this. Or somebody who's a Christian breaks your trust and now all of a sudden you've lost trust with them and God. And you're left trying to figure out what this looks like. Because trust is really tough because it's, it seems to be easily broken and takes a long time to repair. But what I've seen kind of as I've walked this out is like that trust I think is the way to life in the kingdom of God. Trust is the way that we extend something to God and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Taking him at his word. Re okay, so for example, in my life, uh, last year was the first time that I had ever read through the Bible in a year, okay? And, uh, and, and I feel like in doing so, I begin to see different fruit produced in my life. I begin to see myself responding in different scenarios differently. Is that because that I just like, oh, God was like, hey, you did a good job reading your Bible, so now all of a sudden I'm gonna like make you act better? No. The idea of reading scripture was that it was a means to an end, right? As I read through the entire Old Testament, I'm gaining perspective of I can trust you, God. As I'm reading through it and I'm living it out and experiencing it in my daily life, I'm learning, God, I can trust you in this. My experiences, my hindsight tells me that I can trust that God is who he says he is, right? And so as we begin to walk this out, we're learning what it looks like to trust him. And I love the way that Jackie Hill Perry talks about this. She says this, she says, the root of all sin is unbelief in God. The fall began when Adam and Eve doubted what God said about himself. It is the identity that we ascribe to God out of doubt or faith in his scriptures that will determine the identity that we give ourselves and ultimately the life that we live. If he is the creator, then we are the created. If he is master, then we are servants. If he is loved, then we are loved. If he is omnipotent, then we are not as powerful as we think. If he is omniscient, then there is nowhere to hide. If he cannot lie, then his promises are always true. It is faith in the truths of God's character that has the power to completely revolutionize how our lives are lived out. And a lot of times when you look at scripture, you see a lot of things that say trust God, or actually uh, you could even sub out the word faith for trust. And it's this idea that as we begin to trust God's character, that it has the power to completely revolutionize the way our lives are lived out. So the question that it really comes down to for us is, is who do you trust? Because there's a lot of moments that I think that when we hear this, that we can feel like we need to trust God more. We can think about the moments that we should trust God more. But if we're not trusting God, then we are trusting something. If it's not ourself, it's somebody else, if it's, or it's our finances or it's our own ability or, or our circumstances. But the question we have to ask ourselves is who do you trust? So Paul kind of begins to give an imagery to kind of help you understand that idea and, and dig a little further. He says that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. The imagery that he uses here is of a plant or of a tree so that we would understand this principle of roots before fruit. Okay, roots before fruit. Go ahead and do this. Uh, look, look at your neighbor, poke the person next to you and say roots before fruit. This is, a, this is a memory tool, okay? We're using a memory tool to try and get it in, right? <laughs> 
Roots before fruit. And this is, a, this is an, an interesting idea. It's one that we know it's kind of built into the fabric of creation, but sometimes we need a picture to kind of help. So I got a diagram here for you. This is a, this, the, the plant life cycle of a fruit bearing plant. And this is a very funny thing for me to get up here and talk to you about because I have never seen a plant make it to over here in our house, okay? No plant has survived this long, okay? I don't know. I, Paul said it. It's on the diagram. We're going to believe it, okay? We're just going to trust that the metaphor sticks. But the idea of this is, is that you have a, a, a plant and it goes from a seed to a seedling to a, it's, it's beginning to grow a root structure that it's planting, it's producing leaves. And then you've got a young tree, a growing tree, and it eventually grows to the place where it is producing fruit. Now, well, the thing about this is when you begin to understand the idea of roots and of a root system and of fruit, that a lot of times when we have a behavior that we don't like in our life, we, we're doing something that we don't like, we have a bad habit, um, we go straight to the fruit and we say, how do I, how do I change this? And so we just try, we try harder. We say, I'm, I'm, you know, let's use a good example when we, when we talk about fruit is always the fruit of the spirit in Galatians, where it says patience, okay? So, wow, I'm not very patient. I should be more patient. So we kind of go on this route to trying to just be more patient, but it's, it doesn't follow the pattern or the structure that kind of life works in. This is an idea that we know. This is an idea that the analogy is built into creation. It's built into everything that we do because we know that there's a process that brings results. We know the idea of gardening before harvesting, of hard work before you can enjoy it, of character before influence, discipline before results. And in this case, when we start to begin to talk about this, it's receiving love before giving love. And so many of us are functioning without, we're not receiving it and we're trying to give it back out. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian and pastor, said in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, that fruit is always the miraculous the created. It is never the result of willing, but always a growth. The fruit of the spirit uh, is a gift of God and only he can produce it. So we try and just will it into being, just make it happen. If I try harder, I will be more patient, more loving, more kind. But if you don't have it to give, you're pulling out of reserves that you don't have. And I think that we unintentionally kind of try and take this microwave route to producing fruit, that we don't like what happened today, so we try and change it overnight to, to tomorrow. And we're not considering a process. This is kind of what I have begun to understand as the matrix approach to, to spiritual growth. So anybody a fan of the Matrix series? Okay. So I, I think that the Matrix is really interesting because you have this moment where Keanu Reeves is sitting there in the chair and then he's like, uh, he's getting this download of combat training and, the, and Morpheus comes over and he goes, I know Kung Fu. And he goes, well, show me. Like he didn't have any training. He didn't even learn anything, but he all of a sudden he knows Kung Fu. And there's a moment later that I think is even funnier where they're running up to a helicopter and they're like, do you know how to, how to fly this thing? And she's like, no. He's like, I need, I need a pilot program for, for whatever. And they're like, all of a sudden I know how to fly it. And I think that's the idea that we approach and that we bring to spiritual growth. It's like, oh man, I don't know how to, I don't know how to have patience. God, will you give me a download of patience? Oh, wow. I am so patient. How is everybody doing? Wow. I love playing with five-year-olds and three-year-olds all the time. I love it when they're whiny. That is the best. And we, it's, it's almost like we don't, we know it doesn't work like that, but it's kind of how we think it's going to happen. We're going to go and we're going to spend time in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, wow, we are just so different. We're producing different fruit. 
And the way that I begin to talk about this and understand this in my life, and this has kind of been very helpful, is that uh, I think the point is, is that focusing on fruit leads to behavior modification, while focusing on roots leads to heart transformation. We're not after just changing our behavior or modifying it, okay? You can modify your behavior and go right back to it. But when you change your heart and your heart is transformed, something begins to change from the inside out. Some of us have been trying to change our behavior. And I know this from a lot of the conversations that I have with people of like, we've been in patterns of trying to change, change things that we've been in for a long time. We're trying to, we've been in the same place. We're reacting the same way. We're having the same fights. And so we want to do it differently, but we're trying to just, we're, what we do is we focus on just modifying our behavior. And so what I want to kind of do today is help us to potentially draw a line from fruit to root to see the fruit that we're producing in our life, the behavior that we have, where is that rooted in? Where is that growing from? Is a certain behavior, is that something that we learned somewhere? Is that something that we got from somebody? Is that something that we're doing it over and over because that we just, we're stuck in this cycle? And this is where I know so many people are trying to break relation or uh, generational patterns. I know people are trying to do right where their parents did wrong. I know that it's moments like this though that I've seen things like counseling, or things like the ultimate journey, which is something that, that we offer here and that I got to do in February, help you begin to draw some lines and some, some connections from this is where that came from. I keep ha doing, having the same behavior. It's because my roots are planted right here. So why should I expect different fruit when it's growing from right there? And so we try and uproot things. I think that we even go after things in that way. We want to get things at the root. But if you don't know where it's rooted in, you can't, can't identify it. Like, and then also you can't really plant yourself in God's love if you're trusting something else. So let's bring it back full circle. When you talk about this idea that Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him, we begin to experience the life change from the inside out, that if you are trusting something or someone else, it's very hard to trust God, okay? If, we're tr if I trust myself, if I believe in myself more than I believe in God, I will continue to, to produce that kind of fruit. So that's when we talk about roots before fruit. We're talking about planting ourselves in a love that is like no other. We're talking about building a foundation on God's words and on his truths, planting stakes in the ground that keep us from being blown away. Because that's how it describes it. It says that your roots would grow down, that you would be kept strong, understanding the magnitude of God's love. And Paul brings this prayer to a close in verse 19, where he says that may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And I... I love the New Living Translation and I, and I love the way that it kind of brings this verse uh, to life because I think that a lot of times when you read something and it's talking about knowledge and understanding, I think that you can, you can gain some. There, there are some things that we can know by n knowledge and understanding, but there are other things that we can only know by experiencing it, right? There are certain things that you cannot know fully until you experience it for yourself. Um, and I think that what his prayer is, is that you, when you would experience the love of Christ and that you would be, and what he, the word he uses here is he says that then you will be made complete. And that's the word that I've been drawn to for years by this passage. The idea of it is that I'm like, God, I want to be made complete. I don't want to continue to have the same deficiencies in my life. I don't want to keep doing the same patterns. I want to be made complete, whole, lacking nothing. Those are the things that, that drew me. But when you take this idea and you say being made complete, it's not an idea of just 
piecing all the pieces together and then all of a sudden you're whole. You walk this thing back out and says, Let, may you experience the love of God. That's the kind of things that, that leads to being complete. May you plant roots down into his love, not your own, that, that you would be made complete. May you trust him that you would be made complete. And um, this, this has kind of become very real to me in just the, this last little bit. I was having a conversation with my friend, Chad Doherty, and who many of you may know him or uh, have a relationship with him. But as we were talking about this, he, we were talking about this idea how sometimes outbursts of anger can be in a way of seizing control, right? Uh, none of us have control issues, right? That's not a thing. But whenever, you, you don't realize it until, I think moments of an outburst of anger can be a moment where we're trying to, where things feel out of control and we're trying to seize it back into control. We're trying to get it right back to where it was. And, and it can work, um, uh, but it's not going to, it's not going to be, be something that actually produces that within us. That we, we're trying, we're using a tool to change our, our, the outcome of our surroundings. And it's not even a good tool, but it's a tool that we're using to seize control. And uh, it's just really crazy to me as a parent to have moments where I am not perfect in moments where I do try and do exactly that. I'm trying to seize control of a moment and it's an outburst and it's, I'm using that. And what blows me away as a parent is how quickly kids forgive. I'm blown away at the moment when you can lose it and your kid forgives you right back. Because all they really wanted was for you to, to play with them anyways, right? And... I just find that to be such a moment of experiencing unconditional love. I can know about it. I can talk about it. But when I experience that, it does something within me. And I'll say this, just because I experienced it that one time from my son, from my five-year-old, doesn't mean my, my behavior just flipped on a dime, right? It took some time. I experienced that over and over and over again. And that, and that five-year-old is shaping and changing me. And what I believe is happening is I believe that I'm beginning to trust God in deeper ways. Change is coming. I am more aware of, of, of an opportunity to seize control because of trusting, God, would you help me through this? And so, um, sorry about that. Um, so I want to kind of give you this kind of as we end. Um, there's a story that I heard a long time ago about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I quoted just a minute ago, who's just an, an extraordinary man. He was uh, born in 1906 uh, in Germany and was kind of from a wealthy and educated, well-known family. His dad was a well-known psychologist in Germany. And uh, Bonhoeffer decided that he wanted to be a minister, wanted to be a pastor. And so he kind of went to school for it. And from a very young age, in his like early 20s, he was kind of renowned in Germany as this forward thinker, as a very good writer and very strong. And, and so he was making a name for himself. Uh, but in 1930, uh, he came over to the U.S. to continue his education. And when he came to the U.S., he came to New York City. And as he planted himself in New York City, he found himself in a, in a black church where he just began to plant down some roots. And in this church, he began to experience something he had not experienced in Germany before. And primarily, the thing that caught him the most is he, saw, he just saw incredible suffering and pain. And he saw people that were so rooted in the love of God that the joy and the love that they were showing was absolutely different. So his time spent there led him to a place where he eventually could not stay in the U.S. and just continue as in, to learn and education and grow. He eventually said, I have to go back to Germany and I have to stand up for what's happening in Germany with Hitler. 
And he, couldn't, he was relating what he was seeing with his brothers and sisters to what was happening with the Jewish people. And so he came back to Germany to, to take a stand. He got back and he, and he began to use his opportunity to speak out against what Hitler was doing. And it wasn't long before he wasn't allowed to preach anymore, that they wouldn't let him preach. That, so then he began to write and he began to write content and books. And all of a sudden that he, couldn't, that he was not allowed to publish books in the Third Reich. Then he formed a seminary to begin to train other ministers in the same way and was shut down almost instantly. And so eventually he took the seminary underground and he began to train people without being found, without them knowing about it. By this point, uh, Bonhoeffer was kind of known as a radical, kind of known as somebody who was uh, not just anti-conformist, but, but was like just out there, just really out there. And so a friend of the family and a friend of Bonhoeffer's came out to meet him at, at his underground seminary. And he just came out to talk some sense into him that, hey, you're kind of, you've got so much potential. Why are you, why are you giving your time to this? Why are you so extreme in what you're doing out here with these, with these training these other ministers? And the story goes that Bonhoeffer took his, his friend in a boat across the water and climbed up to this ridge. And as he looked over this ridge, there was uh, a Nazi training camp right there, that they were training soldiers, that, that, that that's, where the, that's where they had planes coming in and things like that. And he looked at his friend and said that this, talking about his seminary, pointing back at his seminary, this must be stronger than that. What's happening here, what's happening and what the Lord is doing has got to be stronger than what's going on over there because they are not taking days off. They are not relenting and they're going after something that is so wrong. This has got to be stronger than that. And I've never forgotten the story because I've seen over and over this idea that what's happening inside of me has got to be stronger than what's going on around me. What, what the Spirit of God is doing inside each of us has got to be stronger than culture. And it's not, a, it's, it's not even something of just like going after, it's saying, God, you've got to do something in me because I'm not, I'm not responding in the moments the way that I want to respond. I'm not responding and, and, and loving people the way that you said that I should love people. You said that the world would know that we are your disciples by the way that we love one another, but I just don't have it to give. And we're, we've got to come to a place where I think we, we almost come and we say, rather than just trying to change our behavior to be just the best version of ourselves, we say, God, you've got to do something in me so that this will be stronger than that. So the question today is, is, an, is really a question of trust. Do we trust that the truth of God, that the truth of scripture is stronger than the lies of the enemy? Do we trust that the culture of love is stronger than, than the culture of hate? Do we trust that the message of the gospel is, is stronger than the message of despair? Do we trust that, that the message of, of forgiveness and of love like that is stronger than our unforgiveness that we have towards those around us? Do we trust that, that, that God's love and God's peace is stronger than anxiety? Because cycles of brokenness lead, lead, lead to behavior that's broken. And just trying to modify our behavior is not going to work anymore. Would you stand all across this room as we begin to close? And those of you that are in Wilton and in Cedar Rapids, we're going to respond together for just a few minutes. I want to give you a moment to, re to respond as we close this time. And I want to invite our prayer teams to go ahead and come down. And this is a, a chance just here at the end. And, and our teams are incredible and maybe today this is there's something very specific about this that you're you're wanting somebody just to agree with you and, and pray with you in or maybe today you just walked in and you feel heavy and you need somebody to just you need some somebody to minister to you you need the holy spirit to minister to you um don't take time take the time before you leave because we just have they're, they're ready and they're willing to pray with you um but i want to give you just a chance to respond and it's probably a little bit more contemplative 
just to take, take a few minutes to contemplate where things are at, to stay to the union of sorts to, in our own lives and with our behavior and with our heart. But the question that I've, I've been asking is, Lord, help me to draw connection from fruit to root. Where is the behavior in my life rooted in? And this is something that takes time and it's something that takes just a moment of, God, would you bring some clarity? And Lord, would you help me to grow my roots down into your love rather than whatever I'm planting them in now? This is kind of my, just my closing line that I put in here, that when, we were, when we're rooted in the love of God, we don't respond based on what's happening around us, but rather we respond based on what's happening within us. Our role isn't to be more patient, to do more things, to try harder, to, to read through the Bible or to, or to just do things better, but it's to uproot where our trust has been misplaced and to begin to trust God. This is why we talk about things like finances and like tithing, because it's, an, it's an, a way that we trust God. This is why we talk about saying, God, do I trust you with the direction of my life? Do I trust you with where I'm going? In a moment of weakness, do I come to you in prayer or do I try and figure it out myself because I trust myself more than I trust you? Do we trust God for our relationships, for our jobs, for our kids, for our future? Because as we begin to trust him, Christ makes his home in your heart and he begins to produce a fruit that you could not produce on your own. And as we... As we close, I just want to pray over you. And then I want to personalize this prayer that we read today to make it personal. Because I think when you take scripture and you say, this is for me, something happens. So uh, all across this room, would you just bow your heads and let's take up just this last minute to respond. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you for each person that has been um, hungry to meet with you today. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to build us up and encourage us as we put our roots down into your love. Help us to take the pressure off of ourselves to just be everything. And Lord, recognize that you are enough for us. You are enough for us. So begin to shape and change us from the inside out, not just from behavior modification, but change our hearts, Lord. And Lord, I pray that your glorious unlimited resources would empower us with your inner strength through your spirit. Make your home in us. Make your home in us as we learn to trust you fully. I pray that our roots would grow down into your love and that you would keep us strong, that we may have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love actually is. And Lord, I pray that we would experience the love of Christ for ourselves. Each of us intimately experience your love, that we would be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. And be with us, Lord, as we respond in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's worship.